Oh, please tell me. <laughs> if you put that in the final. You're cat, listening I to a Jump to the Left podcast. I'm Diane. I'm Kyle and embarrassed. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, glad episode you made it two. through episode one. Hope Maybe. you enjoyed it. Hope you stayed for the end and the special song. That was like a little treasure for y'all. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get started, I guess. Yeah, sure. We have strong opinions, but weak qualifications. And we're going to talk about wildlife and policy and pop culture again. Um, John Kelly is out. Yeah. Bye, bitch. So it's hard to... Have you ever seen that? Have you seen... I know that The Daily Show shares it a lot, but they they do like this picture with all of the people that are in the administration and all of the ones that are have left the administration in, oh, sort yeah, of like yeah, yeah. A, in sort of a celebrity the, apprentice Stephen style. I think does that too. Yeah. I also like to play bingo with it too. And I, like <laughs> with my, <you. laughs> my biggest issue, myself, my biggest issue with it is that they seem to always change the order of the people because I feel like I should have bingo by now because I don't even know what number, <laughs> what yeah. number member of this administration does it, we're does on. Does the card include every person in the administration? No. And that's the problem. Like it's just the, it's the really big ones, you know? Mm. Like, who are the big people that are still in? Well, Sarah Sanders is still in. But she I don't was... think she will ever leave. But she was... She also... Yeah, oh, oh my God, we're forgetting about uh, the Mooch. Yeah, the Scarab Mooch Moochie. was before... And before him was who? There was someone... I don't even remember his name. Isn't that pathetic? Um. Oh, I do. Oh, oh, I see his face. I... <laughs> it starts with an S, maybe? <gasps> Oh my god, he was... He, Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer. Okay, good. Sean Spicer. Yeah, so... She's not even an OG. No, you're right. So she's number three yeah. in, in press secretary. I mean, like, two and a half. Kelly is number... That's true. Scaramucci was only in for, like... It was, like, less than two weeks, right? Yeah, it was, like, embarrassingly <laughs> short. But Kelly... Kelly is number two? Who was before Kelly? I don't remember. I can't keep up. Yeah, it just... It just goes through too fast. It's just mm-hmm. not, it's not anything that I can keep track of. Yeah. At least we got the little, like, Christmas presents, early Christmas presents from Robert Mueller. It's or true. Did Mueller? We Mueller. did. You know, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's Mueller. So I started with Mueller, and then I moved over to Mueller because I feel like that's what has been said Most people the most. have just, like, stuck with it. Yeah. They're like, we're going to say Mueller unless we are corrected. Yes. But he recommended no jail time for Michael Flynn, which is quite interesting, if you ask me. That means he's been spilling the tea, and we are excited for it. <laughs> when do you think... So So I've been having this conversation with a couple people of, like, when you actually think that stuff is going to come out. Like, when do, you, when do you foresee a report? I don't know, but it's been two years, so we'd like to see it soon. Oh, yeah. I don't agree. release it when his time is up. Yeah. I mean, I guess it could stop another term. But, yeah. but so Michael Flynn gets no jail time. However, Michael Cohen was sentenced to three years in prison. The duality of Michaels. Yeah. The duality of Michaels. <laughs> so I, are, do you I think, hate that and I think you should cut it. You're not going to. <laughs> we're so. leaving it in. <laughs> do you think we're going to see that pardon power anytime soon? Honestly, I don't know. This I feel like there's been a very back and forth sort of thing with the whole pardon power. I think he'll pardon his family. I yeah. don't know that he'll pardon anyone outside of his family. Yeah. Well, particularly, I mean, he's not going to pardon Cohen because yeah, he's he livid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's pissed at Cohen. If, <laughs> just like reading through tweets from the past couple of days, like 
he's not holding back at all. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that does is, he ever? He is, does he, he is, ever hold back? He is sitting down on that toilet and he is tweeting out. <laughs> he is tweeting out With everything. With his Diet Coke and his McDonald's. No holding back. And his, like, 12 ounce steak. He eats yeah, steak too, oh, right? Um, Bad for the environment, President Trump. Come on. <laughs> Ooh, that yeah, hurt me. That's that's the biggest issue here. That's your problem. Red meat, man. <laughs> also, let's talk about that boss ass meeting with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer mm-hmm. and Trump and weirdly Pence, who said nothing and had his eyes closed. Yeah, but that's sort moments. of the Pence way. It isn't is it? the Pence way. It's to just He doesn't want to see anything that can incriminate him. Yeah. Be bigoted so he and shuts his eyes. <laughs> so here's my thing. This whole issue over the past couple of weeks and now is mostly resolved, but this whole issue with who will Democrats choose to be the leader in the House mm-hmm has sort of gone back and forth between people arguing if it should be Nancy Pelosi or if it should be someone else, a fresher face. And I have to say, I think that the the best way that I see it going forward is Nancy Pelosi sticking around because you don't want just a young, new person to politics to just sort of come up into this role. Mm. It's an important role that I think people don't give enough credit to yeah and i think that nancy pelosi has done a really good job over the past couple of years and while i think that she should be sort of on her way out i think mm-hmm. it's better to use this time to sort of train a younger fresher face to politics yeah. to replace her eventually that's sort of my feelings on it. it i mean like i i totally agree right like nancy pelosi i think she proved herself just yesterday but Absolutely. i think that people had a good point like she's old she's done it before Maybe we need a fresh face, but then no one came forward. Yeah. So that's wonderful that you would like to see change, but if nobody's going to step up and do it, then what are we supposed to do? Like, yeah. we have to keep her. Now, I think it's good to pressure her to create rules or positions where younger people get to be involved and they maybe she doesn't have this like total power where she decides what comes to the floor and what doesn't. I think that's a really great compromise between them i don't know that she's actually gonna i I, let's let's say that she will maybe she will go through with this legend like what what was the rule change you wanted to do where it was easier for members to bring something to the floor yeah so i hope that she does do that because that is showing that she's willing to work with everybody and hopefully she just keeps being a boss babe because she looked good yesterday and I don't know if y'all saw that picture on Twitter of her putting her sunglasses on with her beautiful attire. Ooh, a mood. <laughs> <laughs> Love the, other, the other thing that I think is different about her and Paul Ryan is that Paul Ryan feels to me like a very power-hungry, crazy frat Zaddy. boy. <laughs> Zaddy. No, a fir- firmly not one. In fact, I Those would say... Those gym pics. Oh, that was... That was probably the worst thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it, like, weirdly made me hate him less, which I hate about really? myself. <laughs> it made me hate him so much more. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I still hate him. But, but you know, he works out. He works out. And he, look, <laughs> he looks good working out. So. so, you're wrong. I'm shallow. But that's fine. <laughs> but what I feel is that Nancy Pelosi isn't that same sort of like that's that's something I would expect from Paul Ryan is a sort of power move to take power away from the general populace Mm -hmm. and centralize it where at which is ironic given 
given the Republican, given, given what a Republican uh, is. So I, I guess I see Nancy Pelosi not quite so much as that as Paul Ryan is, but moving back towards sort of the border wall shutdown that is sort of imminent potentially next week. It's unclear to me whether they are considering putting through a short-term resolution that'll get us into the next. I I think it's interesting because Nancy Pelosi was just telling Trump that he would not have the votes and he was like, yes, I will. Yeah. And so I don't know that the Republican party will all come together and then say, you know what? We will vote for this, but regardless, they don't have the votes in the Senate for it. So it's just, it's going to die in the Senate. They don't have the votes in the Senate for it. No. Okay. They don't. And so either way, they're going to have to compromise on something. And we hope that it's not Democrats that have to do the compromising. It seems like we always are the ones that do that. I did love, once again, going back to that video, of when (laughs) Trump said that he would take full responsibility of a shutdown. Yeah, right. And Schumer's face (laughs) was like, okay, (laughs) you can have it. I mean, I think he will take credit for it. I don't know that it will be spun in the way that we want it to be spun. Yeah, I I guess I don't know what him taking credit for it means. Republicans control every branch of the government. Right. And that that's basically all there is to it. Right. You you control everything. It it is on you if the government shuts down. If you can't right. get people, if you can't bring even your entire caucus together, then you can't be held responsible for the other side that doesn't hold any lever of majority. However, there are some people that will still believe that as long as it is touted on Fox News slash Breitbart slash (laughs) probably... any propaganda. What, okay, this, I know this is sort of like a, a hard left turn, not really, but what do you think about... transition. Alex Jones and how Infowars is like, do you like, because I know that in the beginning, Infowars is very like, Let's back Trump. But now there seems to be a little bit more disconnect and like anger. I don't know. In between them, because I feel, and I know that this is something that, what's her name? Ann Coulter. So Ann Coulter was somebody who initially was very behind, like she was on the Trump train in the Mm -hmm. beginning, but has since moved away because she has seen that there have been a lot of promises that have not been kept. Yeah. And I'm wondering how sweeping that is. Still a terrible in person that... in general. Yes. Oh, God, yes. And <laughs> culture is horrible. But I wonder how that sentiment is spread throughout the Republican Party right now. If it has spread at all, if it is, you know, just condensed to a few individuals or what. I think the only ones we see it in, and it's it's not consistent, but we see it in Lisa Murkowski. And okay. we see it in Jeff Flake sometimes. But does he ever really act on it? I he mean, says it. But. He has. He has had some votes that were hard for him. I d- he's still, it, I'm not saying that he's a good person, but often he can be a good person. Yeah. I think he's more redeemable than many other people. Yeah. And then of course. Collins. <laughs> Susan Collins. She has had like one moment. Basically, it was Obamacare <laughs> repeal. And she voted, yes. To not repeal it. Yeah, yeah, Susan Collins, if you're listening, please just be a human, you know? I just... <sighs> do better. Do better. You are better. I know you are. We know you can be. We know you can be better, and you have been better. And I just, you know, in the next two years that you have in office... 
just try to do better. That's all I have to say. Please do. I really... We're rooting for you until 2020 when we vote you out. Yeah, well, neither of us, because neither of us are registered. I'm not registered in Maine anymore to vote. We will <laughs> encourage others will, to vote you out. At that point, I suppose that I could be back in Maine and be registered there. I will be done with my degree. Who point, knows where we'll be? Just just be best. In, in the, words, in the words of our first lady, be best. So moving on to something I think that was really exciting that happened this week, the Farm Bill. Those of you that don't know, the Farm Bill is the agriculture and food policy bill of the federal government. And it's renewed approximately every five years. And it encompasses both agriculture and everything else that is housed under the USDA. So very, very, very important bill. And there was a great news that happened. So the farm bill passed and it was free of the absolutely horrifying King Amendment. And once again, if you don't know what the King Amendment is, according to the HSUS website, these bills could completely undermine the authority of states to pass laws to protect animals and their citizens. It would also roll back many hard-fought protections for animals, including state laws regarding puppy mills, factory farms, horse slaughter, shark finning, and dog and cat meat. So very, very important that it was left out of the final bill that was passed. Plus, it included some extra goodies for us that are very into this animal welfare. So it included the Dog and Cat Meat Prohibition Act, the Pet and Women's Safety Act, which meant Basically, there was additional funding for battered women shelters, which allows women to bring pets when es- escaping their abusers, which is so important. I've heard so many testimonies of women who had pets that were used against them in abusive relationships. And then also the Parity and Animal Cruelty Enforcement Act language, which basically amends the Animal Welfare Act to prohibit animal fighting in the United States territories, which is a huge problem and just absolutely wonderful that this passed, and then according to Politico, SNAP was mostly left alone, so no cuts to benefits. Crop subsidies were boosted by approximately $1 billion over 10 years. Conservation funding flat overall, but CSP slashed by a lot each year. And hemp was legalized, which isn't, we can talk about that another time, but obviously <laughs> that should be fine. <laughs> so this was overall so wonderful, such great news. Animal welfare people were stoked, were excited. This was all thanks to so many organizations, especially Humane Society of the United States. So just overall, there's always a nice, beautiful thing that happens. For every bad thing, there are so many good things that happen, and I was so excited. Yay, yay, yay. (laughs) So there was a little bit of bad news with that as I tried to like gloss over it, but Kyle is better at bearing the bad news than I am. Yeah, as per usual, I am more Mr. Doom and Gloom. And one of the bad parts about this bill and is sort of typical about what we've seen in this administration, particularly in our fields, is that there's been a big slash in funding for conservation programs, specifically within this bill, the Conservation Stewardship Program. In this context, the Conservation Stewardship Program allows basically funding for sustainability practices within the sort of agricultural and farming fields. The CSP participants get grants for improving cattle grain, improving crop yields, uh, decreasing inputs. So that's stuff like pesticides and other nasty stuff that we don't like a lot to be in our food 
Um, unless that doesn't sound good. No, we don't want it in our food. (laughs) Ideally not in the food. Yeah. And basically just to work on moving our farming and food system to a more sustainable practice. And that's not super good because as we know, population's increasing. We're going to need more food. By the year 2050, we're supposed to have doubled our food supply, I believe is the statistic. Mm -hmm. And... So that's not good. Basically, funding was cut for that program. Right. And of course, it's important to, you know, be good stewards of our land and make sure that it's available for future generations. Yeah. So this is another thing that's really important and how every election is important and government policy is not as stable as we would like it to be. And there's a lot that can be done with each administration being flipped and typically that sort of pendulum movement of lots of conservation funding one way and then somebody else gets elected and it swings back the other way and we lose a lot of programs like this while increasing our money on building a wall so (laughs) so basically vote celebrate small wins and just care i don't know (laughs) do something that's important to you whether it's reduce your plastic use reducing your meat consumption, your water consumption, your electricity consumption, do something that can help the environment. Because right now, the only thing that we can do to stop these people is protesting and voting. Like that's, that's it. So celebrate those small wins, but remember what we are fighting for. Also on another note, a shout out to Corona, which I don't feel is my normal choice for beer, but <laughs> is it anyone? now it might be, but they are now becoming one of the first beer companies to use 100% plastic-free plastic rings on their six-packs, which is really cool. And that's that's just neat. Go Corona. We're proud of you. So I'm very happy about that, and maybe that will be my cheap beer of choice now. (laughs) I mean, obviously. (laughs) Okay, let's get to our first ever interview with our first ever guest. Hi, so today we're interviewing with our local tiger expert, Devyani Singh. Dev, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. Yeah, I'm Dev, or my full name, Devyani Singh. I usually prefer Dev because it's just shorter. Easy but for yeah, Americans. barely, barely, yeah, easy for Americans, easy for me sometimes. Um, I can pretend I'm a completely different person at times. Sometimes I'm Dev, sometimes I'm Devyani, and we can like shuffle in between. But yeah, barely a tiger expert. Again, I think I fit in your model of. Having a lot of opinions and very few qualifications. <laughs> I think that'll be everybody that we interview. Yeah. Until we make it big one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you can have a real tiger expert. <laughs> but till then, we will make do with what you have here in Clemson. <laughs> yeah. So my expertise from, uh, uh, on tigers comes from partly being a Clemson student. And, uh, well, my, I'm a PhD student in the Department of Parks, Recreation, and Tourism Management uh, here at Clemson with Diane. And both of us actually study, do we do tiger research and more on the human dimensions end yeah. of it. Basically, I look at communities who live around tiger reserves because, especially in India, I think tigers coexist with, you know, in, in areas which have really high human populations. Yeah. So, which are a challenge to not only conservation, but human, you know, well-being. Yeah, social and, issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah as, well. as well. So, And for those who care, so which parts did you do your research near? Yeah. So in India, uh, and I, I, I'm just com- coming fresh from my um, data collection mm-hmm. back home. Uh, so I studied two parks. 
Uh, one is in Ranthambore National Park in Rajasthan, which is like one of the, it probably is the most famous park. In it India. is the most famous park, one of the most highly visited ones, especially. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of these iconic parks in India. And mm-hmm. the second one is a lesser known park in uh, the state of Uttar Pradesh. Yeah, and it's called Dudhwa National Park. And it's tucked away near the India Indo-Nepal border in right. Uttar Pradesh. And the cool thing about that park, which is way different than mine, is you have other species besides tigers. There. Oh my god! Like Dudhwa is so diverse, and I think I visited. I've I've been going to t- visiting tiger reserves for mm-hmm. a while now. The first time I visited Dudhwa was in 2011, and I had already been to like six or seven parks by then. Humble brag. Um, yeah, humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I was I had been on the go for a while, just exploring and figuring out what to do with life. Um, so as one does, as, one does, <laughs> as my privileged life allowed me to do. So uh, yeah, Dudhwa was an amazing landscape because you had these so many iconic species yeah. in just one area. You have elephants, you have uh, reintroduced species of uh, of rhinos, and then you have tigers and so many species of birds and reptiles. Oh my god, it's it's amazing. It's one it's one of my favorite places. Yeah, I'm definitely jealous of that. All I got to see were boring tigers. <laughs> <laughs> They're so boring, right? <laughs> I mean, leopards are there too, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So Kyle sent a question. He's not here today, but he sent a question for you, which is a lot harder than any question I'll ask you. <laughs> so his question was, how has India's current model for tiger conservation been successful? And what are some of the shortcomings? Okay, cool. Kyle, hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle and I are actually were in a co- uh, carnivore coexistence class together. And I think India's model of conservation came up a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, aren't you like done? <laughs> from me <laughs> hearing the, about the Indian model from me but but for uh, everybody else's sake whoever's the two people who are interested um, <laughs> I think we call the Indian model successful because it's worked so far yeah. I um, and um, I don't know we can't really compare uh, what happens in India with anything else in the world because the situation is so unique mm-hmm. and I still struggle to understand how this is successful how we still have an increasing you know tiger number but that doesn't imply that there are decreasing numbers of, you know, uh, social issues with conservation. Right. And I think both of them are um, uh, rapidly increasing because as you have the number of tigers increasing, the more number of people they are in contact with and right. that's why there are issues and whatever. So right now, I don't think we still haven't gotten a grip of on how to like really address those issues. Right. And it's a very steep learning curve. I think one of the drawbacks is that I don't think our... And, and I mean... No offense to anyone. Uh, I'm really, really proud of our, our, our forest departments, but I don't think they're trained to kind of understand or kind of tease apart the, how to deal with these social issues. You know, how to address them, how to predict them. Um, and policy does not support that very well right. Right, right now. So, yeah, it's working because nothing has blown out of proportion yet, but I think there is a steady increase in issues and we need to understand how to deal with them before they blow out of proportion. Right. And for people that don't know, India has the largest population of tigers in existence in their mm-hmm. country. And I think it's something crazy like 75% of tigers. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, th- Three-fourths of yeah. the world's uh, wild tiger population wild tigers, um, are, are, are present in India. So India is definitely doing something right. It's not like they just had the most tigers mm-hmm. and they just continue to have the most tigers. Like, they are protecting them well. Yeah. And a lot of that is because of Project Tiger. Yeah. Actually, before Project Tiger, the tiger population actually dipped really low. Right. And Project Tiger was implemented as an, you know, um, because we had administration at the time that cared about tigers right. and 
uh, cared about wildlife. So there are a bunch of uh, protected areas were notified. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of resources went into bringing yeah. these tiger populations back, which actually boosted conservation for a while. But on the flip side, when these protected areas were notified, there were no like systematic surveys about like right. who's living in these protected areas. Mm-hmm. What uh, what kind of costs will the people be paying? And a lot of India, um, there it is rural. It, at least at the time of Project Tara, when it was initiated in the early 70s, India was still a rural country. Uh, most of the, the economy was agrarian. I mean, a lot of money came from agriculture and farming. You had these agro-pastoral communities. So um, not a lot of thought was given from the from the people's point of view. So, which is great. I mean, as someone who loves wildlife, I think I grew up, <laughs> grew up thinking like, this is great, people really care about like animals and we set up a great system. But now that I look at the flip side of the issue, yeah, I wouldn't say we messed up, but like, we didn't think this through. Right. But we're learning. It's, it's we're pretty, we're a pretty young country and I think I'm, I'm hopeful. You may disagree or agree, but mm-hmm. I think when Project Tiger first started, what happened is that the tigers were prioritized. Yes, they were. Over the people that were living in the park and it, it has worked out right mm-hmm. like the tiger populations have increased now the relations between the people it's kind of what Deviani and I are both that we're studying it mm-hmm. um because these people were moved out of the parks yep, yep right and and a lot of the times until recently they might have not been given proper compensation mm-hmm. and things like that so like they might not always have the the best view of tigers or wildlife that live in the parks yeah because they did have to move yeah because of them because it seems from what from what I know and like mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of my research is that people are definitely willing to look past the whole tigers take my livestock thing. Mm-hmm. They're not as much worried about that because there are good compensation programs in place and a lot of the, the people, their livestock are used like for their livelihood. So mm-hmm. as long as they're getting them replaced, they're not so much worried about that. But right. it is definitely that underlying we had to move because of tigers or like the tigers are prioritized above us. Like mm-hmm. it seems like that might be right. more of the bubbling. Right. Issue. Right. I mean, um, with again, like the compensation and like you have studied a different park in India. Yeah. So the compensation schemes are, different. A, yeah, they're different. Yeah. So in some places it's absolutely non-existent in some places they are effective, but not completely there. Uh, people are compensated like smaller amounts. Yeah. So it's, Different problems manifest in a different way right. in different places. And I also think, I think sometimes people are not only like their their agitation is not only directed towards tigers per se, but wildlife in general. Right. And so even though, like, for example, if those people might not have a very good uh, perception of elephants, but right. that kind of agitation is directed toward the par- towards the park and the animals in general. So tigers and sometimes get caught in that crossfire yeah. of like being associated to wildlife that the forest government, uh, forest department is so bent on protecting. Right. Yeah. And I think India, India is in this weird position where there is a lot of like cultural significance mm-hmm. towards tigers, like in some parts Which of India. Helpful. Yeah, it's yeah. helpful. So, but you have this one perception of, you know, this tiger is, is like a cultural symbol or it's a religious symbol or whatever you, you, you're not, you know, very inclined to like kill it just because it's causing you harm. But on the second side, other side, you're living in fear, you're living mm-hmm. in constant, you know, you're facing losses on a daily basis. Right. So yeah, it's a weird position and a very, very sad position to be in. And tigers are so like heavily protected. Like right. if a person who was just like really, really annoyed with a certain problem animal, be it a tiger or, or deer or whatever, it's not very easy for them to just go out and kill the, the animal. And it's not really easy to get like permissions uh, mm-hmm. to like get rid of an animal. And mm-hmm. we've seen that case uh, happen a couple of you know weeks ago with this one problem tiger um, mm-hmm. in India. 
And I'm pretty sure in, in the US or in anywhere else in the world, if there was an animal who ended up killing 5, 10, 15 people, mm-hmm. would, be, would be shot way before the problem got out of hand. Right. But because there is such heavy you know, protection around the tiger, you cannot even kill your, even, even you know, exterminate problem tigers that mm-hmm. are just like wrecking havoc in people's lives. Yeah. And I um, think what's funny is we often see an outrage. I mean, we see it more so in the US now too, but mm-hmm. we see an outrage over India's decisions with their tigers. However, in the U.S., we don't have many predators left because we have killed ours. I know. So it's really interesting. <laughs> it was I was very interested in just seeing, like, the perceptions of uh, the Western world and what they had to say about this one tiger in India. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that, you know, outrage, especially on social media, just drove this, you know, drove the decisions. You can, you know, completely not agree, disagree with what I'm saying, but I think uh, it did drive what happened at the grassroots. Like, they, mm-hmm. it did drive the lateness in, in the response or right. whatever. I think there was some some effects that were seen down there and it was all right. because of what was happening in social media and at an international level. And until recently, you haven't really seen the same outrage with species found in the U.S. Like, people are very... I, I mean, this is maybe a slippery slope, but mm-hmm. people are definitely more okay with killing species within the U.S., including coyotes. Like, I think yeah. coyotes is probably one of the most demonized, yeah. or wolves even, mm-hmm. out west. Like, they're very demonized, and when they kill cattle or they kill a person, we're like, well, mm-hmm. like, we can kill this one mm-hmm. because they're causing a lot of trouble. Uh, and maybe it's not the same people, but then you see it happen in India. Yeah. And all... and. And then it's been, like, many people. Yeah. Because it doesn't do it for, like, one or two people. Yeah. It has to continue to be a problem. And then all of a sudden there's outrage. And you're like, well, why do you not care about the species in the U.S. as well? I don't know. Because because a lot of people haven't ever had to live Live here this time. Yep, yep. Like, I was very lucky that we have black bears here. And, of course, there's technically cougars and bobcats. Mm -hmm. But they're not – I lived in suburbia. So, Mm -hmm. like, there's not – they're not there. Right. So, like, I didn't have – we had to worry about coyotes and that was about it. Right. And still, like – the threat of coyotes to your, like, 50-plus pound dog, you're fine. Like, you're yeah. not going to, for the most part, they're not going to hurt your dog. The worry isn't the same. Yeah. And how we handle it, I think it's so interesting because that's not the biggest problem in India. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what people are most worried about. Right. Which is wild because people in the U.S., there's a cougar spotted and everybody's losing their minds. Right. Like, it's right. just it's such a different, it's just such different mindsets and it's, very interesting. Right. I think we see, like, like I think India is a microcosm of that situation yeah. as well because you have urban India who kind of has opinions about, like, what should happen in yeah. rural India. And everybody thinks, so can we, people in rural India, like, even though they're, like, they're uneducated and they don't have access to resources, so probably they don't know. And I'm like, this is exactly what the British did to us. Yeah. Like, when they came to, to India, they, they had these bunch of ideas and these mindsets of like, okay, these are people like, yeah. who are barbaric and they have no idea. So let's like usher them into this world of knowledge and, you know, let me know better. Um, I think people in rural India or people who live where they are have the best sense of, you know, yeah. how to make do with what they have. And this is something we've discussed too yeah. before is I, one of the biggest problems often with like mitigation with conservation is that we don't speak to the local people. Oh, yeah. We just run in there and we're like, we're going to build you a fence mm-hmm. and it's going to work. And mm-hmm. it's often, I mean, a, f- a fence might help, but that might not be the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. The root of the problem might be that people just simply want access to healthcare. Right. Or they simply want a better school for their kids so they don't have to travel so far to get them to school. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just assuming we know best, which is what white saviorism does best, uh. <laughs> we come in and we tell them, you know, hey, this has worked in 
XYZ other country. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely going to work here. It's, <laughs> it's just wild that we think that every place is just the same. Oh, no. And instead, I think every place is in, in India is also not the yeah, same. Yeah, like, not I, even India yeah, is the same. Yeah, because I studied two parts in two different states. And okay. the issues, like, in both of these parts is, are so different from each other. So even if I had to come up with a plan for just India... What happens in each state right. will look different from each other. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so much work to be done, but mm-hmm. there, there are so many gaps that need to be filled. And I think, without, like, tuning our own horn too much, a lot of what Debbie and I do is talk to people about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead of just assuming we know or doing another damage survey or something like that, those are important. But so is speaking to the people that are dealing with this conflict. Right, right. And so I think that a lot of what the human dimensions, social issue side of wildlife mm-hmm. does is so important because we can't conserve wildlife mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without involving people. Like there are maybe a few species in this world that are not affected, but still you could argue that they are affected, right? Yeah, because climate yeah. change. Yeah. And so it, we have to involve people whether we like it or not. And it, it doesn't just have to be conservation, I think, for everything. I think uh, people who have knowledge or power or whatever, they think that they're, they're placed in in a higher pedestal from every that they're better than everybody else. So the, the decision that we make uh, in general, like even in politics, so that we know better for this population and then we can, uh, you know, make a decision. And so true. Yeah, yeah. So if you, like, which is why I think like representation is important. Right. And what we're doing, I think Diane and I, we are representing the people who are affected the most by conservation. Uh, we can't really speak for uh, the kind of experiences people have on the ground. Right. And so... Kind of going off that, how do you think tourism has helped or not helped people that live near near these protected areas, uh-huh. especially those with tigers? It's been it's good and bad. I mean, <laughs> as everything <laughs> as everything else, like it depends. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends. For places where it's worked, it has worked. I mean, and again, like, what is your definition of worked? Right. Um, like for example, like Rangtumbor might be making a lot of money in tourism, but like, how much is going to these local people? Mm-hmm. How much are, are is the tiger benefiting? People keep coming back because right. they have such a great time in, in Rantambor. Uh, Rantambor, as far as tourism is con- concerned, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a great model for tourism, but I think they, they, they know what works for them and they've made it stick. That's why people have great experiences and they come back. Maybe that may be because of, you know, it's easy to spot a tiger there or uh, maybe the process is very streamlined. The hotels, they cater to international tourist, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, needs. They, but they figured out a system and that yeah. works. But when other people try to like replicate that, and, and that's like it, like in Dudhwa, which is like starting different, there are barely like five, six thousand people who visit Dudhwa, and all of them are locals, so they won't stay back. They do like day visits. Yeah. They have a terrible tourist center. I'm sorry if anybody from Dudhwa is listening, but it's very <laughs> unlikely. I think we still need to understand what works with tourism, or you know, we need to make the tourist experience better, but I don't think. The people in charge of tourism know what that looks like. <laughs> no, I, I don't think they do either. I don't know that we do either. Which is my way of saying, please give me a job. <laughs> Devani needs a job, please. Hire her. I'm sure you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> so, Devani and I, at the beginning of this semester, did a presentation together. Oh my God, that was where so we, <laughs> It was the Tales of Two Tiger Researchers. Yeah. And we got to really just have a good time. We were told it needed to be an infotainment so we didn't take it too seriously. And it was just a great time. So yeah. some of the field season stories when we went over there were some of my favorites. So I really wanted Devani to talk about 
a few of her favorite field season stories, uh-huh. especially the one of where people got your research confused with something oh else. Oh my god! So <laughs> like uh, my um, <laughs> so my survey, I was conducting these surveys in in rural India, and a bunch of them had questions about you know your um, what is the community like, like how what are your relationships with the, with the local like forest department, and you know are you like involved in tourism in some uh, in any way? What do you feel about the tigers in the forest and questions on dependency? I'm just giving you out my entire survey right now so no the questions also had this really important aspect of just like okay what kind of resources do local communities have access to um, because I think conservation is a very privileged mindset to be in mm-hmm. to be able to get you know forget everything and conserve uh, uh, work towards the conservation of an animal basically means that all of your your resources or your needs are fulfilled that you right. can look out for and you know conserve another you know living being or living creature but and we just ask these people who live around these forests to like okay save tigers yeah and like but you don't have access to bathrooms or electricity bathrooms (laughs) electricity education but please go ahead and just conserve tigers don't use plastic and (laughs) save tigers so yeah these are my questions just asking people about like okay do you have an access to a toilet because Sanitation, access to sanitation, and you mm-hmm. may have experienced this, is a <laughs> yeah. huge concern in India. I mean, uh, jokes aside, it's, it's a serious, serious right. problem, especially when you're a woman living in rural India or working in rural India, mm-hmm. and I experienced that as well. So I had a certain set of questions about, like, do you have access to the toilet? Um, indoors, outdoors, a community toilet, or do they visit the, the forest yeah. to, look, you know, go to the bathroom? A lot of people were, there was, this, uh, there's this scheme going on, like a program, like a sanitation program that's happening in India, uh, where the government is paying for people's toilets. Right. So even though I would ask people all of these string of questions about like their life and their livelihood and whatever, they would take away, uh, <laughs> they would only th- uh, call me, like, oh, that woman who's talking about toilets. Yeah. So that was my, kind of my identity. Like there's a woman who's like from somewhere and she's just asking people about toilets. So a lot of times that would be my way to get into like people's, you know, houses. I'm like, yes, I'm asking you about toilets, but also tigers. So people <laughs> were tigers. Yeah, people are very confused about like, what are you really doing? <laughs> Do you want to know about toilets or tourists or tigers? What's happening? All of the above, please. Uh, yeah. Toilets and tourists and tigers. Oh, that my. should be the name of your dissertation. I know, right? <laughs> What about you? You tell you Diane has probably like way better stories because like I'm still brown. I'm like a new person <laughs> doing research in India. Like, but Diane probably Yeah, has. I think the best the best thing that happened was really my name. I think that had to be. I mean, other than just being extremely blonde and extremely white and scaring children <laughs> I think the other you said like children like actually cried yeah they... kids would just take one look at me and cry which is great for your self-esteem I highly recommend <laughs> maybe you should add maybe you can add that to your bio like Diane Dotson superpower is making babies cry <laughs> love it so I think the real question on all of our minds uh-huh. and the reason that we had to get you on so soon because you offered this information information to us is the wedding of Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas okay please yeah yeah, because I have ins with the Chopras and the Jones no obviously (laughs) of course because I'm Indian (laughs) no I I was more interested because like we've been having like a spat of you know celebrity weddings in India and uh, which is so November was like a huge November and December were just like huge like wedding seasons um, and like I was obsessed I'm I'm a closet (laughs) like Bollywood fanatic 
Um, Don't worry, we're in pop culture. <laughs> yeah, so. oh yeah, yeah. So I was uh, like everybody else in the world tracking these weddings. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But I was just really blown away by just like the response, uh, the the non-Indian response to uh, Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas. Like, what mm-hmm. do, what do the people here think? I think it was just so surprising to us yeah. because we like kind of knew that Priyanka and Nick were dating and then we kind of knew that they were serious and then we knew that like the engagement had happened because of the pictures yeah and it was just all a very like strange timeline of events that yeah. did not I, I don't think we knew what to do with it we didn't yeah. know what to do with it I think Nick was like, like yeah Nick was like my huge crush growing up like I was so I saw the Jonas Brothers twice yeah Nick Jonas was my favorite Jonas brother <laughs> And, like, I had, I think Priyanka is stunning and, and talented and just, like, total package. But it was just, like, you're you're going to marry a Jonas brother? <laughs> I mean, we like it, but we're very – I think we were overall confused and just, like, reading anything we could about it to try to get more clarity on the Okay, so you – okay. So I think that there were two – I think there are two schools of thoughts regarding okay. uh, this entire wedding – so you have these one people, uh, one group of people who think this like Priyanka Chopra married a Jonas brother. They're they're also concerned about the age difference, but yada yada yada. That's oh, whatever. Fine. That's, age is just a number. It's, that's fine. I mean, I I love Priyanka Chopra. Uh, she's such a boss woman. She's a boss. She's a boss woman, and uh, like she's a huge star in India. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she I think it's one of the only successful I think migrations or whatever mm-hmm. that um, from Bollywood to Hollywood mm-hmm. one that I've seen. And there was another school of thought that was just, oh, Nick Jonas is marrying, like, an Indian actor. Um, And I think that was uh, really surprising uh, for me. And I think Twitter was kind of blowing up with, like, she's using him for his money. Oh, I did see some of that. I'm like, what? Yeah, which is, and there was an entire... She's more famous than he is. Yeah, especially (laughs) in India. Like, imagine somebody like Nick Jonas in the U.S., who is so popular, has been your crush, is known as Priyanka Chopra's husband in India, in an entire country. (laughs) The one-sixth of the world's population knows him as Priyanka Chopra's <laughs> husband. And I think people were coming, speaking about weddings, I think people were also flipping over about Beyonce performing. Okay, so didn't Priyanka's wedding get kind of like overshadowed? What? Yeah, I think so. I think each With her wedding, friend's wedding. Yeah. So yeah. it was her friend. Well, yeah, that was her friend. Yeah, yeah. she was her friend. So that the second wedding that I'm talking about is like Isha Ambani. Mm. So her dad is the richest man in India, probably the top ten richest stars uh, stars. I mean, sorry, businessmen mm. um, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, her dad like spent. <laughs> they had he dropped some money. He dropped some serious cash. So on her engagement. John Legend was like singing. Like, on, <laughs> How did she keep engaged. getting everybody? Yeah, she got engaged with John Legend singing, and then they had some other, somebody else like perform uh, at the engagement as well. And then they did this. Some it was just like that. So Beyonce performed at the pre-wedding. Mm-hmm. I know, Sangeet, which is like the, the song dance thing. So yeah, and this was all in Jodhpur, right? That this was in Jodhpur. Yeah. Uh, it's in the same state, um, not too far away from Ranthambore, actually, a couple right. of hours away from uh, the place I did my data collection in. Um, it's a gorgeous yeah it's place. a beautiful beautiful place they rented this entire palace hotel mm-hmm. and Beyonce performed there Beyonce Hillary Clinton was there Hillary Clinton was there <laughs> Meghan Markle what? apparently couldn't Meghan, make it yeah she yeah. was invited to yeah yeah, yeah but she yeah that was a very heavy guest, guest list yeah I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it especially because it happened so soon after Priyanka's and I, I had heard that one of them were the bridesmaid like 
in the other I one's think, wedding. Yeah, both of them. I think both yeah. of them were the bridesmaids at each other's wedding. I don't know. But we didn't get a lot from Priyanka and Nick's wedding yet. Yeah. It's I been very secretive. It was Which very is, secretive. like, so Hollywood celeb to do. Yeah, yeah. To, like, try to hide the details from the public, which... <laughs> Like, kills us all inside. Like, <laughs> give us those pictures. Yeah, I was, but I was happy with what I got, I think, anymore. And I would just be, like, I would not have been productive. Yeah. It would not have been. I would just been, like, swooning over, like, her dress and whatever there. And so I saw a lot of, there was also some outrage that, from what I understand, were not coming from anyone from India. They were all people in the U.S. that were saying that Beyonce was culturally appropriating India because she wore a sari. I mean, she was wearing something very, which was um, pretty, I think, um, what do you call it? Fusion? Like, it was a fusion dress. Oh, okay. Yeah. And but it was, was like, very... she was wearing an Indian designer. It wasn't that's like, what, yeah, that's she what was mean. wearing, like, what in, uh, what, uh, you know, um, a Western, con- you know, concept of what Indian clothes <laughs> are. It was very fitting for where she was. Yeah. And I think uh, all of India really loved what she was wearing. I think, see, I think we just... We take cultural appropriation out of context. Mm. See, if it's if Beyonce is at an Indian wedding in India and she's wearing an Indian designer uh, who designed like Indian fusion clothes for her, I think it's fine. Yeah. But if she was wearing it like maybe at Coachella, you know, (laughs) uh, singing some other like weird song, I mean, that you could probably make claims for for that, you know, right. um, but I, I don't think that was inappropriate at all. I think that was culturally appropriate. Not yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. This thanks for all your expertise in Tigers and Priyanka and everything else. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love this. And I think uh, if anybody from my family gets to hear this, <laughs> they're just going to laugh at me giving opinions about weddings. And <laughs> That's what this is. This is exactly what we do. We have strong opinions and weak qualifications and we stand by that. Absolutely. <laughs> and with that, let's talk about good things like pop culture. Yeah. So let's talk about our, I called it holiday cheers for this <laughs> week. So I just thought this was beautiful. I was, I watched A Legendary Christmas, but we'll get back to that later with John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. And so naturally I was stalking John Legend's Twitter afterwards, <laughs> looking for a cute clip or something like that, that he enjoyed. And I found this beautiful tweet on his Twitter and it says, the holidays can be difficult for both children and parents who cannot be with their loved ones. Build-A-Bear has donated bears to Girl Scouts, Beyond Bars, Still She Rises, All of Us or None, and the WA Corrections Center for Women to bring joy to families impacted by incarceration. That was just beautiful. The part about Center for Women to bring joy to families impacted by incarceration really got me. And Build-A-Bear, who knew? Build-A-Bear has a heart, and they really care about people. I mean, maybe they're just trying to get people to come to their stores, but who cares? They did a wonderful thing, and it just brought me that holiday cheer that I needed. P.S. All I want for Christmas is a bottle of LVE wine. Thank you (laughs) if you Google it. There are some cheap bottles. I would love to try some John Legend wine. That's it for me. John Legend also is just a great person. He's a wonderful person who has, because of Twitter and because of Trump, has really become that ally. He tweets in support of so many wonderful things that we care so much about. And I have just gained so much respect for him and Chrissy because Chrissy, my girl, love her. Wish I could eat your food, but it's all full of things I can't have. (laughs) But yeah, they've just, they're wonderful people and they talk about really important issues that they like things we don't think about a lot. And I just think they're great. Speaking of, I stand them <laughs> and I watch A Legendary Christmas, which is available on Hulu. I think it was filmed on NBC, but I watched it on Hulu. And it is just 
it's just good Christmas or more holiday, I guess. Just good holiday, fun, very sweet messages. There's a mac and cheese contest where Chrissy sabotages John. It's just real cute. Luna is heavily featured. The Queer Eye guys FaceTime in. It's 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 adorable. So definitely go watch it if you haven't. And I wanted to say that I do not stand SNL this week. And the reason I do not stand SNL this week is because of Michael Che trying to defend Kevin Hart's tweets. I understand that people make mistakes and you calling out other people's tweets is a decision that you made, but it does not make what Kevin Hart said okay. And we we're not we're not proud of you this week Michael Che, so do better. Overall everyone can do better. Yeah, and my thing with that is you know, other podcasts have talked about Michael Che and his responses, but as well as Kevin Hart's responses. And something that I guess I don't understand is why people can't just apologize for stuff and move Agreed. on. Because I don't know why people haven't noticed, but everyone is way more willing to forgive you if you just apologize and you acknowledge what you did was wrong. Yeah. Whether you believe it or not is up to you. But if you just go ahead and make that public apology, people are way more willing. It will not hurt you. It will not hurt you, number one. And people are way more willing to forgive you. Yeah. So let's try that. Apologize. I know we could all do better. We're not saying we're good at apologizing. Yeah. But everyone, I apologize just apologize. I, it's work, I'm working on it. <laughs> all my friends can validate that, I'm sure. <laughs> so Kyle, what's your stand of the week? I don't know if I want this stand. I think that it's dumb. I just couldn't really think You put of it one. on the Google Docs, so you have to say it. <laughs> that seems wrong, but okay. The Okay, so my stand this week is going to sound really entitled and millennial. <laughs> Do we not but, sound like that normally? Yeah, that's fair. But my stand this week is when the final for a class is optional. <laughs> Get out! Because, no, listen, because you should never have a final that's not optional. <laughs> Especially in grad school, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Every, you can even, Google everything. Even more entitled. <laughs> so finals week is horrible for everyone. No yeah. one has an enjoyable finals week. Yeah. But when I, during this past week, I had a lot of stuff to do for not only like my thesis project, but for other classes that weren't the exam type classes. And it's fine if you want to give me a paper to write or whatever. I'll do that. I can do that relatively quickly and easily, but not when it's 20 pages, like my social class. Fair, but (laughs) I don't want to have to sit down and like study for an exam and take it when I also have just taken a week. Cause most of the time, the way it works out is the final that you're taking is really only a week or two after probably the last exam you took, depending on what their schedule is like. Yeah. So just like, be better. <laughs> Overall, we cannot we cannot reinforce this enough. The topic is the topic of this podcast is just be better. Is that our episode title? I think it is. Do better, be better. Just not be best though, because we could probably get sued for that. We can't say two. we can't see be better though, because Melania hates us. You know, okay, what do we stunt think about Stunt double. Like, okay, so sorry. <laughs> I think she has like, a stunt double. I want to I go back to this, and I know that this is like way back to the beginning, but I've been thinking about this a lot. Oh. And it has to do with how, like, what we think. So we are, we're thinking about how 
Pelosi and Schumer are sitting in a room with Trump and Pence, and Pence is just sitting there, not really saying anything. With his eyes closed? Yeah, kind of nodding off, (laughs) thinking, dreaming about how he wants to electrocute the gay out of people, and... Dreaming up some more camps. I'm thinking about how, like, he is involved in all of this. You know, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think that he knows a whole lot about the campaign sketchy conversations but what i do think is that's his whole thing i mm-hmm. get i keep getting this like back of my mind voice telling me like yeah trump is bad and we need to get rid of him but then we get pence right well like if he's not involved at all and he is not impeached he stays but does right? he though because i don't know because we would i think it depends what the outcome of Mueller stuff is because well, yeah. i i don't know enough about all of this but if Trump got the presidency illegally, basically, yeah. then Pence shouldn't get to keep it That's because true. he's his vice president. I don't know how it all worked. Maybe someone can tell us. Yeah. I do think. We need a and constitutional maybe, lawyer. Maybe. Yeah, we do. Maybe <laughs> this is a very like niche reference. But do you know on Veep how whenever Mike hears things that he doesn't oh, want to yeah, hear because he he's like the press con- secretary, <laughs> he's like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. And closes his ears. I think that's what Pence does. He walks in a room, sees some <laughs> shit going down, and says, nope, and turns right back around because he does not want to be a co-conspirator. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on Pence. Yeah. And he's I doing think everything he, he does. Can. I think, yeah, he's doing everything he can to be in power if this mm-hmm. all really does go south. And that's what I'm afraid of. Right. Like. Yeah, we're terrified of him also. Yeah. I'm, more, I'm honestly more terrified of Pence than I am Trump. Oh, oh, 100% agree. But if we wait long enough, won't it go to Nancy Pelosi? If we could get Trump and Pence out? Because it's Speaker of the House's third. Yeah, I'm going to, we're going to have to. But it would be Nancy Pelosi. Order. So let's impeach them all. To the presidency. No, it's President, Vice President, Speaker of the House. Mm, Yes, you're. No, second it. Yeah, it's Wait. first would be vice president. First would be vice president. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Second is speaker of the house. Yeah, so we get through this. Oh my god. So can- January. <laughs> so that's why Mueller is waiting. Yeah, that is why <laughs> he's a secret waiting. double agent, obviously. We <laughs> have known this for a while. Crazy. What times we live in. So there is a foreseeable future <laughs> where Donald Trump becomes impeached. So and, does... And Pence does and, too somehow. Yeah, and Pence is and somehow Pelosi involved. And Pelosi is in. Who be, does, so how does it work? I have no idea. How, how yeah, who becomes the vice president in that I case? Think, so on Can you Veep, imagine what the fuck would happen? I think on, according to Veep, if I'm citing them correctly, <laughs> I think that Congress would have to vote on them. Oh, you're right. Well, that's that's if there's a tie. That's if there's a tie. I don't know if yeah. the same thing would happen. I don't know. We will let you know. Yeah. You probably know, so tell us if, if yeah. we're idiots. I mean, we are idiots, so that's fine. I think another thing that I want to talk about, and it's not as fun at all, but there was a wonderful BuzzFeed video this past week that talked about why gay men can't donate blood. And this is something that I learned about just a few years ago when I went to donate blood. I'm terrified of needles, so I've never tried to donate blood in the past. And just a couple years ago, I went to donate. I ended up not being able to donate for a different reason. But I did see that it was asking about whether you were gay or not. 
I don't remember the exact question. Are you explaining to me right now? No, I'm explaining to our listeners, and then I want you to talk about it. <laughs> I don't remember what it asks you on the so, survey. So what it asks you on the survey is if you are a man who has a sexual contact with another man yes. in the past. Now 12 months. So previously until the last year or the year before last, the rule was if you had ever had sexual contact with a man as another man, then you were banned from donating blood. And if you, more recently, the rule was changed that if you are a man who has had sexual contact with another man within a year, then you cannot donate blood. So we can see a hypothetical situation where somebody remains abstinent for a year and can then donate blood again. But I would be surprised if that happened. This is sort of like a a leftover messed up rule from the FDA as a remnant of the AIDS crisis Mm -hmm. when nobody really knew what was going on. Right. And... Which there's been a lot of talk about lately because of George H.W. Bush's passing. People have been talking about the AIDS epidemic and how many presidents just ignored it. Yeah. So it's cool that we're learning more about it again. It's a, I think it's important to also focus on not only the gay community being affected, but also other communities as well, because it's not really just the gay community. A lot were impacted by that, but many other people were impacted as well. And that is that is something that we have to sort of consider when we're thinking about how we remember people who have passed away who may have had very problematic pasts mm-hmm. when it comes to how they ruled. I certainly... Would not forget that if Mike Pence passed away, like Mm -hmm. he still did really horrible things and approved some really horrible stuff. If you think about like the more drastic cases, we can't we can't wash over that history of how people have treated issues like this in the past. Right. And basically, you should go watch the BuzzFeed video. It's really well done. We'll drop a link in the Mm -hmm. in the bio of the in the bio. Not the we'll We'll put it in the bio or we'll tweet it. Yeah, you should really go watch it because it's a really great piece of work. And I think a real piece of... I I think many people that listen to this podcast may think that they're very well-informed on almost every issue, like we do. And I think what's an important piece to remember is that you can always learn about something else. Like, we do not know everything, (laughs) and we will never know anything. Even the President of the United States has advisors on all of these things. Like, he doesn't know all of this, even when we had a very competent president. He didn't know everything either. So I think it's it's a good lesson in remembering to be humble, to just take the time to learn about issues that you might not know about, which was this for me. And it was really eye-opening and also really depressing. So on that note, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. Keep, if you keep ma- posted. If you made it through episode two, we must, you must be like blood related. You or must like you really must love us. Something. Are you obsessed with us? Okay. That was I don't, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> That's too much. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a subscriber. Hopefully subscribe to us. If you haven't keep, we'll have another episode probably after the holidays because Kyle and I will both be gone until probably after at the beginning of January. So look for an episode then, but we'll keep you updated. Yeah, and thanks for listening. And let us still let us know if there's anything you want us to discuss. If you want to come on the pod and talk about anything that you are an expert in or just that you are very passionate about, please reach out to us. We are happy to have you. People are going to get tired of our voices real quick. I know I'm tired of our yeah, voices. Same. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Have a great holiday season. So now is a special holiday treat. 
enjoy this song that was written by my roommate and I about our two dogs. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me twelve busted toys, eleven chicken meatballs, ten squirrels a-chasing, nine off-leash walkies, eight belly scratches, seven stolen booties, six thousand dollar surgery, five denty sticks. Four tennis balls, three antlers, two Christmas sweaters, and the love of Stormy and Dory. <laughs> 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 <laughs>